Well, and yeah, and you'll figure it out because you'll just jump in there after a while. It's, it gets to be just like us bullshitting around the table. <gasps> I said That's that. what it's supposed to be. You yeah. said a bad word. I did. I don't usually say bad words. I know. She's getting better. <laughs> That's like a thing that I'm getting better at. That's so weird. Okay. <laughs> it might be. It might be my ear buds that are making. Are you hearing like nope. do 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 do? I hear uh -uh. that. Nope. Let me take them off and see if you can still hear me. Okay. If, oh, your earbuds could be losing power. That's what's happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are you breaking? Okay, yeah, but it sounds way really different. Yeah, you're even louder, I think. It's, yeah. It's different. It's echoey. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Let, let me just keep one in, and maybe that will help. Yeah, that sounds all right. Okay. And you're still, like, robot-y, because you're, you're laggy. I'm yeah, laggy? Your, your lips move, and it's kind of like a Japanese film. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just shitty so bad. One of these days, I'll figure this out, and I'll get it right. Oh one of these days, we'll have a studio. Right? I'll be in the same room. Fun. Yeah, hold on. My internet. Oh, my God. It'll be so much fun. I just got a little note. My internet connection is unstable. There you go. See, what she's roboting. She's R2-D2ing tell. again. <laughs> God, it was so bad last time. Okay, you guys ready? Good power. Okay, yeah. Here we go. Welcome to episode number 009, Restorative Practices in the Classroom. Here today with me is, as usual, Jen. my good friends, Jen. Jen and Sharon. And Sharon. And today we are actually have the privilege of having our special guest with us, Heather from uh, middle school, who where she is an amazing principal. And I do have to also tell you a little secret, um, just to show you how old I am. I am going to be I'm going to be 60 years old this weekend. I'm going to be 60. And and Heather Heather was I, I love this student. story. She was my student. And see what a good teacher I am. Look at she's a principal now, and and I'm still in the classroom. What what's up with that? I don't know. And I knew you were going to tell this story, and I just want everyone in the world to know that when you were my homeroom teacher, you were the coolest, prettiest teacher. And a bus was. Did you hear that? Was was that was a past tense? Well, well, you still are the coolest, prettiest teacher. But to me, you when as a twelve-year-old girl. Anne was the coolest, prettiest teacher, and that's why I am who I am Aww. today. That's because I was, that's back when I was 26, girl. <laughs> well, 26. Is that when you, you were doing bodybuilding so. contests in bikinis? Yes. Don't look it up. Yes. <laughs> or do I was. <laughs> yeah, remember remember when one of those kids, a kid found one of your bodybuilding pictures online. Like, oh my God. Is this, is this, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's I was, this story, oh my God. I was, I, I was walking around the classroom and I, I turned around and there was a bunch of boys gathered around a computer screen. 
And I walked over there and they go, is, is this Miss Carton? Is this you? And I'm like, oh, Yes. I know. And then they came to my class next time and they're like telling me, Luke, Luke. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they all think I can beat everyone up, you know, because you have, you can see your muscles. It doesn't yeah. mean you're strong. It just means you can see your muscles. But, they but all you can mentally, mentally, you can beat everyone up, yeah. mental judo. It, as long as they thought that in junior uh-huh. high, it was handy. It's mm-hmm. handy to have that. So it was good. Hey, wasn't it wasn't it you and Jen who were doing the arm wrestling when we went to that pub? Oh my god. Because <laughs> you're, like, you're, like, you're like, my muscles are just yeah. for show. I'm too weak. They just got these big old muscles. <laughs> so Jen Jen, did you beat her? I think she I don't did. Know. I probably had like drunk person strength that night. Who knows? I don't remember. <laughs> That was one of those like end of the yeah. year of going out. Like it was like the end of the school year. Was no, was it? I always got the students always want to arm wrestle me. They do. <laughs> uh-huh. that, that was the conversation, and that's how you guys got into it. Yeah, I think so. It anyway. was sometime after Jen's birthday because I think you had a a gift certificate to that pub. God, Sharon, you have a good to. memory. I don't remember any of that. I know. Jeez. Nothing yeah, goes no. by Sharon. <laughs> you guys are funny. Oh. Anyway, let's get started. Um, we've got some news today I wanted to get into and some things I wanted to review, but I thought there was it was pretty interesting that the Assembly and the State Senate has decided not to return to work because of COVID right now. Um, they have 700 bills that they need to pass before uh, this session ends in August. Don't know how they're going to do that because they haven't said when they're going to go back to work yet. But they have like um, there is a couple of um, legislatures, six six of them that have COVID cases in the Senate. So they decided, oh, we're going to not go back to work and return to the Capitol yet, um, but I, until further notice. And I thought that was really interesting since everybody's pushing teachers to go back to work. Yeah, but so, so was it was mm-hmm. it one of those uh, assembly women? Didn't she say she got it with mask on, mask on? She got transferred, and they were both wearing masks. I don't know. Even if even if that was the well, case, that's even that more reason why not to go back. Yeah, and remember, yeah. But Anne, I want to say something to what you just said. I think teachers have been working. I think what you said they want pe- teachers to go back to work. Well, I mean, like teachers have been in working. the classroom. In the you classroom. mean. In yeah, person. in person. Yeah. Where the, yeah. the Senate doesn't I, even want to go in there and they get to sit far yeah. apart from each other and they don't have kids sneezing on them and blowing their nose and, you know, chewing gum and putting it under the desk and all of that kind of stuff. Well, maybe they do. I don't know, but they don't have that. So <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. But in the meantime, there is a bill and this kind of is applicable to what's going on right now. Um, there is a bill in the assembly. Um, Assembly Bill 1384, and that is supposed to limit liability from the schools so that if you happen to be back in class and somebody gets COVID, nobody can sue the school district for um, negligence, provided that the school is indeed following procedures in order to make it as limited a, a possibility as possible. And that was put into 
the state assembly by Patrick O'Donnell from he's a Democrat from Long Beach and Susan Rubio from LA. They introduced that. That was back in June uh, 29th. You so know. remember that friend that I have that I told you works. Uh, she works in a you know they have a unified district in inside of Riverside, and she got the email today because as of right now they're still going back to school. And she got an email today that went to her and all the parents. It's a waiver that they have to sign a legal waiver saying that if they get COVID at school, the parents have to sign it, the teachers have to sign it, they will not sue the school. What happens if they don't sign it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But she was tripping out today. I was actually on the phone with her when she got the email. She's like, oh my gosh, can, can you believe this? Yeah, this is pretty crazy. Yeah. So like, if you don't want to, if you don't want to sign that waiver, what happens to your job? Well, here, here was a sticking point with that, right? It, this, this is what O'Donnell said, and this was on July 2nd. He said, my bill will in, uh, indemnify, or in other words, protect from lawsuits, school districts, as long as they follow all the state and local health directives. We still want school districts to use the best practices when it comes to student safety. But the sticking point was people were like, well, what about teachers? And can, can we still sue? And so they did put in a provision in there. Um, that carves out workers' compensation and other employee protections so that teachers and other staffers would still be able to take legal action, and that's what managed to get it across. So um, they, did, they did put that in there. So mm -hmm. for, for us, anyway, we still have that protection in there. So. Yeah, so it also says that the liability protections afforded under this subdivision do not apply to claims for money or damages for gross negligence or for reckless intentional or willful and wanton misconduct well isn't it like isn't this gross negligence because we have all this scientific evidence that says you know here is the problem i think that's still like they're counter counteracting each other in this bill i think that there's some big legal loopholes and with the right attorney that you could get around that well but the right attorney can get around anything <laughs> that's why you get and the, the right attorney district <laughs> Yeah, and the school district with the right attorney could say, no, there was no gross negligence. Yeah. So so it's a that's a battle waiting to happen. It is for sure. Yeah. So with us trying to go back into school too, and they're saying that, you know, kids aren't the ones carrying the disease. They're not the ones that are they're not the super, what do they call them, super carriers or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interested that in Florida I just found this article this, uh, this morning. Florida has tested 42,000 children from ages under one to over 17 for the coronavirus. And according to their report, and this is from June 26, um, those that were tested, 7,197 of those kids um, were positive. 70% of the kids were testing positive for that. Now, the thing with that is, Okay, so 17% or you think about 7,000 out of 42,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but if you have the disease and you go into a school and then I get it and I bring it home to my family or I have people in my home that are susceptible, then, you know, that's the problem right there. So, you know, the kids may come to school because they don't show that they have the symptoms, but they're still carriers. So right. I know it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about, is it really safe to do this? And I, I could not find anything for LA, any LA statistics like this, but I'm assuming because LA right now is bad, that the statistics have to be at least equal 
or similar to what Florida is doing. Well, I think we, I think mm -hmm. we talked about this and you're talking about Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to any Floridians out there listening, but Florida's, you know, hasn't been following as a state, right? Um, extreme safety measures. Right. So, yeah, but California wasn't testing any kids. True. You right. know, so like you're and, not going to have any data like this because you weren't testing any kids. No. And and I think continues to not test. What about Orange County? Orange County is basically saying kick rocks. They're going back to school. They're not requiring the students to wear masks, and they straight out supposedly aren't going to practice the you know the nine foot radius around social distancing rules. I think that's crazy. I wonder if that if that like whole announcement with Orange County and everything, if that's what's prompting Thurman's announcement and what's going to prompt the governor's announcement tomorrow. I wonder if they're like, a good if question. they're like, you know what? <laughs> Wait a minute. We thought you were going to do the right thing. And now we're noticing that yeah. you're not. So maybe we're going to have to, mm -hmm. like the parent, I'm going to have to bring the hammer down now because you didn't make mm -hmm. the right decision. Yeah. I will say this as an Orange County resident, right? As an Orange County resident, the county, there's a lot of loud voices that aren't necessarily representative of the majority. Um, the, you know, I haven't taken a poll or anything like that, but I will say the loudest voices are the craziest voices, right? Like, that is I, true. Um, the, board, the Board of Education met this week. I listened um, and I was appalled at the number of parents who, uh, maybe not appalled, well, I was appalled, but I was also shocked at the number of parents who want full-time back to school for their children. But what shocked me the most was all the data that they were using, which could be accurate. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a scientist and I, and I can't say, but it's all about kids, right? So kind of like what you're presenting here, Anne, like, well, you know, the percentage of students, of children, school age, et cetera, is very low. That's fine and dandy, but you're still talking about 17% is 7,000 lives, right? right? Um, additionally, there's no talk about the adults who work in school. You know, at this all. just brings to mind to me one of those things that people um, I've heard thrown around for other things. In other words, mm -hmm. If you had, if you knew that one thing was, you know, you had a bag of candy or something and you knew that one of the candies in there was poisonous, would you eat it? Would you eat it? Would you eat that bag? It's like saying the children are candy, right? And you know, one of them has well, the disease. Well, there's one poisonous kid. <laughs> well, they're poisonous in a lot of different ways besides COVID. But, you know. But that's another yeah. show. That's another show. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I just thought that was interesting, uh, kind of goes with the idea of, you know, con you know our state senators aren't going back because of COVID. They want us to go back. The kids are, the kids are like little contagion balls um, that are, you know, mysterious little, you know, contractors, and we don't know. So I don't know. You can roll the bones on that. Some people feel they're I, comfortable with it. Other people aren't. So I don't know. There's no right I, answer. I worry about no, there isn't, and no, and never is anyone going. Everyone going to go away? Not at all. Mm -hmm. But you know, no, on the on the whole, like kids passing it. So one of my friends that lives locally, 
um, her brother-in-law got it from his kid because for some reason he sent him to mm. camp <laughs> and they had 110 mm. cases at camp of kids that had COVID that then went home to their families. This is in a different state, but, and that's how he got mm. it. And he's a, you know, a 40 year old man and that's, you know, they're hoping he's going to recover. If you, if you look at, if you look at the, the statistics right now, the, the age group that is growing, that has the most cases is the, I think it's the 17 through 40 year olds right now. They're the ones that have mm. the most cases. Well, that's a big, big you know, group. I also wonder these, when they're, t when they're touting children data, like again, what age are we looking at? I feel like teenagers, while they are, you know, young in mind, they are adults in body, mm -hmm. right? A lot of them. So, and maybe we think differently because we work, you know, with teenagers and, and up the, the four of us, but it's different. The kids are, the kids that we work with are not small children. They're, they're big mm -hmm. children. Yes, they are. Yeah. But yes, I, the Florida thing, if you go to the Florida one, that was ages be below one, younger than one, yeah. all the way through 17. That's what they were considering children. And I know people are looking at other countries and going, well, like, like Denmark has reopened all of their, their schools, blah, 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 blah. You know, but they went from April through May having a continual downward trend. And then they opened mm -hmm. and didn't see an increase in cases, um, you know, and like South Korea. Right. So they are continually, I mean, they're wearing masks because it's in their culture anyway, when they don't feel well, they wear a mask to protect others. Um, so um, I have a friend of a friend who teaches in South Korea, and she was saying that um, when you get, when you think you have COVID, the government comes, they test you, they bring you food and tell you, don't leave. You, 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 here's everything you need don't leave and nobody leaves and and they're able to contain it that way as well um yeah so yeah our country is not no nope, it is right. not right and, and so, we are huge and uh that's just another yeah. uh, that's a whole other subject there but speaking of foreign students <laughs> um last at the end of our last podcast i get i did a little update at the end because um, the uh, United States government had put out an order through ICE to have all foreign students who were on visas, university students, who were not going to be on um, in, in any on-campus classes, were going to have to be deported. Uh, that was the, the ruling that had come down, saying that if they did not take at least one on-campus um, course that they would have to be deported. Well, it was really interesting because just one week after that, there was so much pushback and a lawsuit was filed by 59 universities um, and the governors and attorney generals were all filing these lawsuits against the government that they finally rescinded their, their, that push. And, um, and we're leaving it all alone. Like, no, 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 we were just joking. We're just kidding, <laughs> you know? But what they don't realize, I think too, is there are um, million, like I think there's several, like hundreds of thousands of students here on these visas. Uh, there was in uh, 2019, 388,000 
uh, F visas and 9,000 M visas for that year. And these students in 2018, the statistics were saying that these students contribute $45 billion to our country's economy. So it's almost like you're cutting off your nose to spite your face in order just to push this anti-immigrant agenda. Um, but thankfully, that is no longer a consideration at this point. So who knows? Things can change, as we all know. But I just wanted to give a little update on that. So. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, and I think it. I agree with the universities in that lawsuit that that was not um, to protect anybody or anything. That was just like, hey, I'm going to force you to open because I can. And then they're like, yeah, fuck you. No, you can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and. I think there's two pieces, there's two pieces to that. There's that I want to force you to open, but I also think, you know, if I'm going to speak bluntly, like we are ultimately, this is, I'm probably going to offend somebody, but I guess that's why we're being transparent. That's right. right? Uh, this is a, this is a, a racist administration, yep, totally. right? And so the, uh, it's, yes, we want to force you to open, but we also want to force people out who aren't like right. us. You know, it's, the interesting thing is if you think about what is a visa, you have to be approved to come into the right. country on a visa. So these people were already approved. So you're basically saying that, or we're going to unapprove you now. They're, they haven't done anything yeah. to negate their visa. You know, they haven't done anything illegal. They haven't done anything to show they're a bad person. They're still going to go to classes. So it was, it was, it was so blatantly obvious what this was. Can I share? Um, I am currently in an EDD program right now, and um, I won't say which school just to save everybody's face. Um, but we received an email, which was I was super proud of the school. The email said, if you are currently here enrolled in classes um, as a student on a visa and need help getting a live class, let us know. Good for them. Nice. Wow. And, uh-huh. And obviously they were part of the lawsuit as well. Um, but I just was, you know, there's, I was proud of them for being like, we'll find you a class. We'll enroll you in it. Yeah. Basket weaving 101 I heard was like, full. <laughs> yeah. it's getting full. <laughs> Underwater basket Bird weaving. And on those notes, you guys, we're going to take a little break here on your little happy notes, but you know, it's nice to end on a positive for a change, you know, so we're going to end right there for a minute, take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to get into restorative practices, what to do, what not to do, what is it, what isn't it. Hang on, hang in there. We'll be right back. And we're back. So to get today's discussion started, um, we are going to be talking about restorative practices and restorative justice. And for a while there, I, I personally was under the impression that the two things were kind of interchangeable. And so in order to make sure that nobody is going to remain as ignorant as I was, I actually went online and I looked up the definition for the difference between restorative justice and restorative practices. So let me read you what the Oxford English Dictionary said. It said that uh, restorative justice is 
a system of criminal justice which focuses on the rehabilitation of offenders through reconciliation with victims and the community at large. So this is like after the after the fact, the something has happened and now we have to fix it. And restorative practice, on the other hand, is a strategy that seeks to repair relationships that have been damaged, including those damaged through bullying. And it does this by bringing about a sense of remorse and restorative action on the part of the offender and forgiveness by the victim. So in other words, this is something that you're doing ongoing to keep it from going to the next level. And I have to admit, I'm really kind of ignorant about the whole topic. I, I mean, I, I've heard about it and I kind of know about it. So today uh, we asked one of our friends who is, you've heard her talking in the beginning of our show today, but I wanted her to introduce herself um, and give us a little bit more background about uh, where she came from, how she got into the whole restorative um, practice and um, how she's, you know, kind of where hurt your story. So okay. Heather, can you kind of give us a little background on your, how you got to this whole thing? Sure. So um, I just want to say that, you know, my story is I started um, teaching, oh, oh gosh, 20, Sharon, how many years? I, I, I always struggle. I, I don't. 23? 23. 23. I think 23. Yeah, I think it's 23. Yeah, 23 years ago. Um, and I worked with um, Sharon, Jen, and Anne. Um, we were all teachers together. Um, I've taught um, elementary school, bilingual first grade, junior high, um, English, as well as reading and ELD, and then high school, um, English reading peer counseling in ELD. And I really feel like my high school experience teaching peer counseling maybe started my journey in looking at um, how can we help students solve problems um, with each other? And how do we teach students to um, dialogue with one another and have effective conversations when there's conflict, right? Um, so I think that really started my journey. Um, flash forward, uh, you know, I was a middle school assistant principal, um, which is super fun. As a middle school pr assistant principal, really the majority of my work was um, supervision and discipline. And I think um, just personally, I am I am not about punishing students. This is just my personal philosophy. I feel like the purpose of discipline is to teach and to learn, right? Like kids are kids they're gonna make mistakes. Um, and our role as adults in their lives is to educate them and teach them how to um, make amends if needed and, and make changes in their lives, right? If we don't teach them, if all we do is punish, then, then they become disillusioned in school, right? They know like, oh, well, I'm just a bad kid or oh, that teacher doesn't like me or, oh, I'm just going to get in trouble in school because they know, like, they know the consequence is always punishment, punishment, punishment. Um, I do think there's consequences for actions, of course, but within those consequences, I think students need an opportunity to listen, learn, and, and remedy and have opportunity to, to 
change, right? We all have made mistakes. Like I say, the reason why I think I make connections with kids as a school administrator is because I, I did stupid stuff, man. I did stupid ass stuff as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I never did. I was a perfect child. One. I, I, I was one. never tardy. I was never late. I always did my homework. The teachers yeah. never knew who I was because I never made any mm -hmm. problems in class. Right. Everybody knew who I, I was. I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> Sharon, we could tell stories. Right? Yeah, right. Um, uh, I just, I never got caught. That was my thing. Is I did dumbass things, but I didn't get in trouble because I didn't get caught a lot of the time. Jen's over there um, shaking her head. <laughs> But, but I think I can relate to kids and the dumb things that they do, but we need to also teach them, right? So um, as a principal, our school is a PBIS school. So that's positive behavior interventions and supports. And through our work with PBIS, which we can talk about that if you have questions later, I was introduced to restorative practices as a, an intervention to behavior. So right? can you kind of give us like, a background what exactly give us some examples of what are restorative practices in my head i always hear it's circle time we're going to sit around and have circle time mm -hmm. so, so that's part of it um i think that's part of it but i do think that's very surface level right so if you think about the kids that you can connect with and and maybe have had connections with that are challenging um, it's all about relationships, right? So you, if there's been a kid who's misbehaved in your class or um, who's challenged you or challenged your authority, but you've had a breakthrough with them, typically there's a relationship piece in it, right? They respect you because you respect them and you respect them and it's all circular. Um, circle time uh, is very basic form of restorative practices. Um, what else can it look like besides that? So the, the circle really starts with, you, you start with a, a safe question, right? So if you're teaching restorative practice to kids, that's why you start with safe questions. So you might start with something like, what is your favorite food in order to get kids talking with each other, but where the power comes in is later. So as you practice, practice, practice. Um, I'll give you an example without talking for too long. I had a teacher who was struggling with an, a challenging class that she had. And um, she was struggling with them. Their behavior was challenging her. And so I came in and helped facilitate a circle. And we were able to call out some of the things that were happening that were disruptive as a whole class. So I would say, what's been happening in class that's been preventing kids to learn? And the kids, kids are honest, man, right? Like if you think about it, if you just, if, if you just ask kids, what's, what's been happening that's been, been annoying you, they'll tell you. And then I would ask questions like, what's happening that is preventing your teacher from doing her job? And then they'll say it. And then you ask questions. So how do you think that makes that teacher feel? It was 
eye-opening to me in leading this with the students because they were super on point. And remember, I work with middle schoolers. So I'm talking secondary age kids that, that could handle this. They can put words. They could recognize and say, well, I think it makes our teacher feel disrespected. Right. And how do you think that makes this kid feel who's maybe trying to do their work? Well, it makes them feel like people don't care about them. And then you can say a question, a very simple, so how do we make it right? Or how do we make it better? And you allow the kids to provide some input, that you allow the kids to um, provide some solution. And then you could ask a question like, okay, what do we commit to? And then let them share out. It also um, allows the teacher to be a human to the student. Right. And I think, I think that's super important. So then are you, this is used as an intervention. So you use it once some, there's a problem or are there things that we're supposed to be doing all along, uh, in order to prevent problems in the first place? So are there, are there practices? Are there, situations is there something we should do from day one is it like rapport building do we spend time with that yeah i think it's all of that and i think um spending time to build rapport to build relationships is huge because you're not going to get honest answers if the kids don't feel like they can speak openly right, right? yeah um what do you so, do with what do you do with teachers there are some teachers that just can't do that it's always like I don't, you're, you're disrespecting me. Always. Yeah. You're always disrespecting um, me. Get out. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of times I, we will offer and I, we, cause the assistant principal and I both do this. Um, I'll offer to have a restorative conversation, just the kid, the teacher and myself. You ever have to have a restorative conversation with just the teacher? No, the teacher, the student and myself. So. <laughs> But oh, does, do I ever it, have to? Do you ever have to get in with the teacher and go? <laughs> I have had to have a restorative conversation with adults. That's what with I mean. each other. Yeah. I have had to have a restorative conversation um, with two adults on campus. I certainly have. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly can, work overall. Yeah. yeah. I think it's hard to do this without training. Yes. Because it's certainly, it's certainly not like the way I grew up. No. Like, mm. like hell no, uh -huh. it's not the way I grew up. Nobody did this when I was growing up. I mean, up. you can read, you can read articles for sure, right? Like you can read articles, you can read, um, I think a lot of the articles that I see out there, like from Edutopia and just like the kind of basic, like there's some things you could do for restorative practices in your classroom. A lot of it is like, you need to build rapport with your students. You need to greet your students at the door. You need to have team building type activities within your classroom, like spending that time. Um, while a lot of teachers feel like, oh, I only have 50 minutes to teach my class and it's wasteful um, in the long run, because you've built that re relationship, you actually gain more time back over the course of the year. But but you can't truly do restorative practices justice without being trained and then without being, without being vulnerable. And I think that's huge 
for us as adults. Um, it is very un uncomfortable yes. to be vulnerable that we don't know we're trying something new and to be vulnerable in front of our students and right. then practice, right? Practice, practice what you preach, right? Yeah, so, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I just think that there's with the, with the training, I know just looking around an auditorium or around the staff room when they're like, Oh, we're going to get trained on restorative practices. Everybody's like eye roll, you know? Mm. So how, how do you present this to a staff that may be giving you some pushback on it? And, did, and when you brought this to your classroom or in your classroom to your school, did mm. you have pushback on it? And if you did, how did you overcome that? Or what did you say in order to get your school on board? Was it on board? How did you get this going at your school? No, Anne, everything is perfect. I, well, that's why we're, that's why I have you here. <laughs> Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a utopia where I work. Um, Makes sense. Uh, yes. There's pushback always. <laughs> um, so how do I do it? I think, and this is maybe more of a leadership strategy, right? But I don't think restorative practices is something that you roll out school-wide from the beginning. And that's just my opinion, right? Like I'm just one person. I'm not an expert. I'm not a trainer, nothing like that. I think it's something, um, I was trained in it first, just me and my assistant principal and the counselor. So the three of us received training first and foremost. Um, and we tried it ourselves in our disciplinary conversations, right? So when kids would get sent to the office with referrals and or kids were having conflict, right? Like, so talk, you gave the definition of, it's used a lot for restoring bullying, right? So we would practice it with kids um, and we found good success. I was actually like, we had some serious girl drama with some middle school girls, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yeah. This last year was out of control. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us how that works. Yeah. Cause we had a lot of that this last year. Tell us what that looked so like. So these girls had been at it for three years, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. And um, yep. so we brought the girls in and, we're, and me and my AP were like, okay, let's do a restorative conversation. Let's see what happens. Let's try it. And, and know that there's like, I just gave questions kind of off the cuff, but there's actually some guiding questions um, like, canned guiding questions that if you're uncomfortable you can just follow it that way um we brought the girls in and and i sat him down and i said look i'm tired miss ap is tired you girls gotta be tired of of this drama between you so let's have a conversation are you open yes are you open yes and then we went through the process and um wow uh, it was amazing to me how given the forum and given the guidelines and given the guidance on how do you engage in a conversation about, you know, you piss me off because X, Y, Z, I hate it when you do this X, Y, Z. Um, and then together coming up with solutions on how to resolve it. These girls were open. They were honest they sometimes i mean we had multiple sometimes they resolve their issues and become friends again sometimes they agree to just leave each other alone 
right? Sometimes they're like, look, I don't have to like you. You don't have to like me, but what we can, we don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to be in this conversation with my principal <laughs> anymore. So we're just going to leave it at the door. Is there, is there anything that you need to do? Like, do parents have to give permission for you to have these conversations or no? No. Um, you know, are they ever involved? Sometimes do you have to bring parents in? Yeah. Do you have to bring parents in sometimes to do restorative practice with the kid and the parent? <laughs> have I done that? <laughs> I would do that because like, that's my nature. I have, I done that before. No, I don't know that I've done parent and student before. Um, a lot of times I offer it to parents, like when parents, because parents will come to us and be like, this kid bullied my kid, blah, 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 blah. And I'll say, okay, well, here's, here, we could do this and have a restorative conversation. I explain it to them. Um, and uh, most parents are, are open to that. And then I always tell the parent after right? Like, okay, we had a conversation. Here's what the kids discussed. Here's what they agreed, but the parent doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, because it's, it's, again, it's an intervention. It's not a consequence. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it, it can yeah. be a consequence, but it, it, in the way I operate, I look at it as let's solve the problem instead of detention, suspension. Let's solve it before it gets to a point where you have to lose your education, right? What, what about the impact of like social media though? Cause I know a lot of the issues that we had at school stand at home, social media, mm. right? And then they bring all of that with them to school. How does that factor in? We'll do it. We'll have these conversations about social media too. Um, and then, and, and I do think I need to bring parents in at that point, right? Like not maybe not in the conversation, but I need to say like, Hey, your child is super active on TikTok <laughs> and um, did a TikTok video, you know, Jen made a TikTok video making fun of Sharon and then all these kids liked it and saw it and, you know, parent. And then I beat the <laughs> shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to see that fight. I want to see that. Right? That fight would be fun to watch. No lie. <laughs> we could use it as an ASB, a fundraiser. Oh, there you go. I'll get a, I'll get a pool, fill it with some mud. Yeah, we'll waste some money. Yeah. But the goal, the goal of, of restorative practice is hopefully we can have a conversation before the fight, right? Like, let's solve this problem before you get in a fight. Because if once you get in a fight, there's going to yeah. be bigger so consequences. Speaking of that, then, once you, um, did you, did you have, uh, so you, you, as you were saying, you started it with yourself and your AP first, yeah. and then yeah. I'm kind of getting the idea that you knew some teachers on campus would be more open to, to trying Correct. this. And so did you recruit them next? Yep. hundred percent. So the next, the next step was I recruited teachers who I knew would be interested. And the way I did that was I, um, mo we modeled it right for, for, the teachers and then I said, okay, there's a training on this, these dates. I can send so many people, please email me if you're interested, if it's something of interest to you. So that way there was no pressure necessarily. Um, if, if nobody told me they were interested, then I may have gone out and been like, Hey, Anne, I think, you know, is this something you've been thinking about? Like, what do you think? Um, but in that case I got, I had at my site, I, I had more interest than I could afford to send to the training. So um, 
um, I said, how'd you pick? I went with my team who works on our PBIS team first, which is um, our positive behavior intervention support team. I did them first because they do a lot of our like interventions and school spirit and, and stuff. So I thought they would be good leaders in that. And then after that, when the next training came up, I sent a new group. Was it, the, did it happen that uh, other teachers saw the positive effects that it was having in other people's classrooms and were able to, then they were like, Hey, I want to do that too. It's working for her. I heard good things. Did, the, did it kind of like yes. grow that way? Yes. Okay. All right. hundred percent. And we were able to model it. Right. So, um, like I said, I would go, if a if we would, we offered my AP and I offered, we said, Hey, if you are having a struggle and you want us to come us, have us come in and, and do a circle, you want us to come in and lead a restorative conversation. We're open. Let's do it. I like that. And so I think that's a, that yeah. to me, I think that is very powerful when, the when a teacher doesn't have to say i don't know what to do and but instead mm -hmm. the the administration says hey let me be of help to you because i think a lot mm -hmm. of teachers who are having trouble in classrooms or discipline issues are afraid to say anything because they're afraid that it's going to make them seem like they're not good at their job and mm -hmm. so I, I think and that's not the case at all no. we all struggle they don't teach right? us that in like school <laughs> so any listen new teachers out there we all struggle yes we all have bad days um i used to tell sharon i'm like why is it always my period five right <laughs> oh it's the period after lunch <laughs> right right so i think that's really powerful that um teachers do not should not be afraid to ask for help i think Actually, that's no. better than hiding in your classroom and dealing with it and complaining about it around the lunchroom. You should be proactive and go to, I used to do that when I, when I would have problems with a, a, a student in my classroom, I would go to the yeah. principal and I would say, I am having so much problems with such and such or doing such and such. Would you mind coming in my classroom and watching and giving me some advice? And yeah. I think that, I think when, as a instructor, that actually makes you seem better not weaker. And, and yeah, and I go back to mm -hmm. vulnerability. Like if you haven't read, you know, Brene Brown's work, like, like if you are vulnerable, people will respect you more. They will um, open up to you more. We had a new math teacher and it's like, I don't know, a, the second weekend. And I'm like, how's it going? Fine. Everything's good. It's like his first year teaching in public school. I'm like, everything's not good. Something <laughs> not, this is not right. He cannot possibly, it was like two weeks in everything. So, and like, and then like a month later, no, nope. you know, like, do you, like, I'm willing to help you. You know, do you need any help? Do you need any suggestions to work with some of these kids? Nope. I got it. I got it. And, and, and then we started hearing like, you know, trouble's the already there. Right. And the complaints and yeah. And I was like, I knew something was wrong. Cause he was not, he was not willing to accept anybody's help. Mm -hmm. He was not willing to open up about anything mm -hmm. and he didn't even make it to winter break. Yeah. And, and he, he didn't, he didn't they don't teach back. that oh. though. They don't, don't teach yeah, that no. in school. They do not teach anything about how to run a class or how to deal with discipline problems. You might get a psychology class or a sociology class, yeah. but that's not yeah. the same as having 30 kids in there and having to deal yeah. and negotiate and, and try to solve and problems. 
And what they don't say is even the most seasoned, experienced teacher has students they struggle with right. every single year. Oh my year. gosh, so true. Mm-hmm. Yes. So true. 34 right? years, so, right here. I can tell uh-huh. you one every year. Even, even principals have students they struggle with every year, right? There's kids that I, I click with. Absolutely. There's kids I click with. There's kids that make me laugh. There's kids that I enjoy. And, and there's kids that are challenging in teachers' classrooms that I love, but I can I have the time to sit with them one-on-one a little differently than a teacher does, right? Uh, and, and there's kids test my patience on a daily basis. <laughs> so for those kids, so for those kids, like, and for new teachers, mm. um, I think it's really important that you have relationships with other teachers that, mm-hmm. and with your principal that you can express these problems and not be afraid of it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I was very fortunate, and I think Heather, that you will agree with this, that when we started teaching, we had course. Yeah. Right? So we had this oh. team of teachers. Yes. And what we would do, I'm sure you remember this. It's like when we would meet, because we would meet all the time. Every with week. our team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every week we'd meet with our team, and it'd be like, I am having problems with Jennifer. Well, she she was a fucking bitch in my classroom. And I can't stand her. And Heather Heather would be like, oh God, no, she's great. She's on my dance team. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I'm like, okay, so, you know, like, how can we like work this out? And then she would talk to Jennifer and Uh then I would talk to Jennifer. And then all of a sudden everything was, it was better. It was like a wraparound. Amazing. It was a wraparound. The best thing ever. We wrapped yes. around these kids and, and maybe they didn't have the best relationship with me, but they had the best relationship with Sharon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd learn how to support one another and, and support the child at the right. same time. It was the best teaching. You know, Man, those you know, are my best you know, years. The best. They, they were. And, and it, me, you know, going through the whole garage thing we're doing and everything. And I found this note from this parent and she, and she was just like, thank you so much. I really loved that I could come on campus and talk to any of you. Mm-hmm. And you all knew what was going on in each other's classrooms. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to track anybody else down. And I, I think that really supported my kid. And I was like reading this <laughs> just the other day. And I'm like, oh, of course, they're so <laughs> beneficial. Yeah. They help yeah. everything. I won't say how old those kids are now. I have their, their yeah, kids are in okay. my class. Yes, we, we already have the children. <laughs> I'm starting to get grandchildren. It's time to retire. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I can't. Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, if you were if you were here, Heather, you would be getting. If you were still with us, grandkids, we, we no, yeah, we're getting no. children. Okay. Yeah, children, children. We're not, we're not a grandkid. My age. No, we're not a grandkid. That's Aunt. Okay, okay. Jesus. You know, so I wanted to ask you, once you, what, what's the difference in the number of suspensions and other issues that you have now since you've been incorporating this has that gone down because i'm telling you our school has had trouble we've i mean our our poor Uh principal and vice principal and racking their brains trying to figure out ways to limit that or or reduce that number and we all are because we all know that's not the way to teach kids or to have kids we want them in school once they're once you suspend a kid what does that really do? Nothing. You know, half of them are like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, and you and I, I mean, you, when we were preparing and, and the notes, right, the school to prison pipeline is a serious thing. 
right? So um, students who are suspended um, have more, a higher likelihood of being arrested. Um, our, our black students, our students, um, our minority students are more highly suspended um, than our white students. That's a reality. I don't care what people have to say about it. Like we need to be aware of that and call it out, right? Right, uh, yes. Um, our suspensions this year, I mean, okay, I'm gonna be super honest. The suspension data that I have for this year obviously is skewed. We didn't have school for a whole quarter. Uh, so it was awesome. Site, right, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> hopefully. So, so we definitely improved in our <laughs> data. Um, I so obviously there's no, you, we only instituted restorative practice really school wide for a, this past year. Um, though again, the, my assistant principal myself had been in practicing it the year prior. Um. We definitely, though, had a decrease in suspension because I know the kids that we did um, restorative conversations with as a disciplinary intervention in order to prevent suspension. Um, we had a lot of students um, who were able to resolve conflicts. We had, I think, we prevented um, on-site conflict through restorative conversations. Let's take a little break right here. And when we come back, let's talk a little bit about what we can do in distance learning. Is there restorative practices that would work there? So we'll be back in a minute. Go grab a drink and meet us back here in a few minutes. Welcome back. I hope you guys got grabbed something to drink with that. We've got so much good information going on here and we're going to continue with some more ideas about what to do when we go back to distance learning. Um, but before we begin, we came across this article I thought was kind of interesting and maybe how uh, restorative practices were definitely not used in this case. And I'm really curious to hear, Heather, how you would have analyzed this situation. But let me give you a little background first. Um, this came from uh, Vox, and it's about a Florida boy that was arrested after refusing to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in class. And this 11-year-old boy, of course, Florida, here we go again, in Florida was arrested after he, <laughs> poor Florida, after he refused to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in class and allegedly refused to listen to the orders from the school officials and a resource officer. So according to Bay News 9, the boy got into an argument with his substitute teacher. That's issue number one, substitute teacher. Earlier this right. month um, at, the, um, at this uh, middle school, and he refused to stand with his classmates for the pledge. And then after the boy told his substitute teacher that the American flag was racist, and she said to him um, in her report, after the incident, why, if it's so bad here, did this child not go to another place to live? And the boy responded, well, they brought me here. 
And the teacher said, well, you can always go back because I came here from Cuba and the day that I feel I'm not welcome anymore, I would find another place to live. Well, apparently things escalated from there. And then the teacher said that she called the resource officer in because this child did not want to, you know, was not cooperating and she didn't want to continue dealing with him. So in comes the resource officer and this poor this child eventually gets arrested um, they're claiming that he was disruptive and he didn't follow commands and that um, they call it that this child called the staff racist and threatened to get the school resource officer and the principal fired and to beat the teacher and the boy told the news station though however that he did not threaten the teacher with violence. Anyway, the kid was then taken to a juvenile detention center and charged with disrupting the school function and resisting arrest without violence. And he was also suspended for three days. Now, I can tell you that we've all had situations, I know I have in my classroom with kids who it just feels so bad, so aggressive, and I'm sure what this looked like was in front of other students was this conversation probably taking place in front of the class, which is problem number one. But, you know, it escalated to a point where it should never have gotten. Obviously, this seems a little excessive. So what are, in your opinion, Heather, how, what are some things that should have been considered? What are some things that are maybe should have been done instead? Okay. I have a lot of things to say about the situation. <laughs> um, and obviously I wasn't there, so I don't have, you know, the whole story other than what's presented in this article. Um, but my first inclination is all of this was preventable, right? Like all of it yep. was a hundred percent preventable at no point. Did it need to escalate to this place? but it did right um first i just want to say that the child has a first amendment right to not say the pledge so let's get that out of the way right <laughs> um i think forcing a person to say the pledge of allegiance um is is our uh whiteness right our our pushing on to to students. So, but I feel like that's maybe another conversation. Um, students have the right to not say the pledge and the substitute should have just said, okay, and moved on. Let's cut some slack. So there's that. However, regardless, the substitute struggled. The substitute um, didn't have the skills or the background to handle the situation. Um, and you said that's another conversation <laughs> mm -hmm. to have about, um, you know, we appreciate our substitutes, right? We need go, our go listen to our, our podcast, uh, 007, <laughs> I think it was. On <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the subs. <laughs> like, but we need them, right? <laughs> like, yes, we do. Um, and, and our students need to, yeah you know, as a school culture, we need to work with students on how to be respectful and, and welcome visitors into onto our campuses. Um, but regardless, I can't, I am, I am amazed that it escalated to a, an 11 year old's arrest. 
and suspension. Actually, I'm not amazed. Let me tell you why I'm not amazed. Because a school resource officer was involved. And again, I think I have some thoughts on school resource officers. <laughs> um, I think there are some SROs out there who are um, educators and police officers, right? And who want to be a school resource officer and who want to work with students and school communities to uplift the community. I do believe that with my heart because I've worked with some school resource officers who are, um, who are educators, right? But there are some school resource officers who are street cops assigned to be a school resource officer and therefore treat children as if they're adults. And I think there's a problem with that. Um, so let's talk about, let's bring it back to restorative practices. Um, I think had this child been, had an opportunity to have a restorative conversation, um, whether it was with the school administration or um, the substitute teacher, whoever, like guided, right? I think there could have been an understanding um, and an arrest was wouldn't have been necessary, nor would a suspension have been necessary. Um, can I bring it back to kind of what the official questions are of restorative practices? Of because okay. the official questions are first to ask what happened. I'm gonna guess that substitute and the student had two very different perceptions of what happened. So let's hear, let's hear the story, right? Like think of yourself and any conflicts you might've had with mm -hmm. kids, like the way you yeah, perceive something and sure. the way a kid perceives something is often very different. Um, the next question is, what have you thought about since this happened? So that gives the child and, and the teacher or whoever an opportunity to reflect. Like, what have I thought about since then? Um, who has been affected by what happened? And then what do we need to do to make things right? And then on the flip side, um, you could ask questions like, what, do you, what did you think when you realized this happened? So if I ask the student, what did you think when the teacher, the substitute teacher said you needed to take the, say the pledge. But I could also say to the sub, what did you think when the student said that I'm not going to say the pledge? So they have come to an, an at least they hear the other side, right? What impact has the incident had on you and others? Because I think sometimes we don't think about how it might affect on the periphery, right? And then what has been the hardest thing for you and then what do you think needs to happen to make things right so you ask both parties like literally i this whole situation in this article i feel mm -hmm. like a restorative practice approach would have resolved would have provided an opportunity not just not to teach the student not i mean we could teach a student about respect or you know how to respond but we could also teach the substitute teacher as well um, and then restore that relationship. The child lost learning time. And what did they lose learning time for? They escalated. I wanted, I'm curious why they escalated. Probably because they didn't have an opportunity to talk and, and share. So I think sometimes too, the, the substitute teacher was losing face. 
because they had asked, they had made a request mm -hmm. and then the mm -hmm. student didn't reply or didn't respond in, a, in the way that the substitute wanted. And therefore a fear of, oh, now the other students are going to think they can get away with things. So I need to put my foot down mm -hmm. and show that I am the authority figure in this class. Right. right? I'm the boss. I need to make sure. Or maybe, maybe the resource officer was losing uh -huh. face. Right. Maybe the administrator was losing face. Like I think people need to get over that whole losing face thing. You know, I, yeah. But that's it what, is. that's hard for. I mean, because it, it, you know, it's like we want to teach our kids to respect their elders. And they need to. <laughs> and now, yeah, and now we're the elders, and it's like, and it's like you don't have us more elder than you're others. Just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you have to take it back and go okay right now i'm the elder but they're the child but you know, and well sharon that's so poignant like i'm the elder and they're the child so really i should know better right elder, exactly right exactly like, start a band to elders um, and even as an elder <laughs> <laughs> That's our new name. We're the elders. We're the elders. Um, I, as long I, as you don't I, put, I, as long the as you elders don't put Lee tips. on the end. Elder Lee. It's okay. I'll be an elder as long as I'm not Elder Lee. Right. But but we still uh, got we still got stuff to learn, right? Like mm -hmm. we gotta we have to learn stuff too. For and sure. I, and I think I think when we show that to kids, they they turn they they respect you. The other thing that's interesting in that story is so we have this child of color right mm -hmm. and the 11 year old ends up in juvenile hall and and then also kind of there's so many there's so oh, many there's so there, many but, things to talk about there yeah there's so many things there but but that also goes back to the whole like seeing children of color is older than they are right yes. so you're giving him this you're giving him this huge punishment that you probably wouldn't give a white kid i mean because you see them as a kid but you see the 11 old 11 year old person of color as more adult because they certainly get seen especially the boys mm -hmm. get seen as adults way earlier than they are adults so it's about a balance though really isn't it in classes it's and it's and it is hard i i had a student last year who was just oh my gosh this child had no control over his foul language in class and he had so many issues at home and um and he was a problem child across the campus and i don't know why but i had such a little soft spot in my heart for him and i remember mm. this one day because you're restorative, I, man. I don't know. I'm restorative, or I'm just a softy. I don't know. Um, but he he was in class, and he, I, I thought he was eating in class, and I don't allow eating in class. And I walked over there, and I said, "Hey, you know, Jimmy, would you mind not eating in class?" And he just looked at me. He goes, took his computer screen, and he slammed it down. He goes, "I get so fucking tired of teachers telling me I'm doing something when I'm fucking not doing anything." Okay, huh? so now of course he yelled it. The whole class heard it. <laughs> and so I looked at him. I said, uh, real quietly, I, said, I looked at him. I said, "Jimmy." Um, can you come with me a minute? Let's go outside and talk. And we went outside and I, and I did pretty much what you've been talking about. I said, Hey, what's going on? Um, what did I do mm -hmm. to deserve that? I, you know, I'm really sorry if I, 
accused you of something. I mean, what were you doing? You were shuffling through your bag. What do you think that looked like to me? That I was eating something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't mm -hmm. know. And then you yelled at me like that. And then we, you know, I said, did I do something to insult you? Or did I hurt your feelings? Tell me what I did. And how can I help you? And then the tears started. And that's when he yes. started mm -hmm. telling me that he's having trouble at home and their family is homeless and he's living in a house with a bunch of people. And, you know, and then, I, and then I'm like trying not to cry because I'm so, such a softy. Mm -hmm. and, right. and then we just had an understanding and he came back in the classroom and I'm sure the other kids were going, oh, he, he, didn't get, he didn't get sent out. You didn't Hell send no, him I to did the not office. Send him to the office. What would that have done? Right. That would have just pissed him off exactly. more. That would have accomplished nothing. Yeah. You know. You know what that would have done was destroyed your relationship. Right. There was and he would have lost yeah. learning. So he and and he and I he'd have his little blow up moments and but overall he really he and I had we bonded. We had a thing. And he wasn't always perfect in my classroom, yeah. believe me. But you know, it wasn't like I, I heard other teachers that went toe to toe with him. And this, this kid was not going to put up with that. You could go toe to toe and he would just walk out of class no. on you like, oh, fine. I'm leaving. See ya. Yeah. But he didn't do that with me. Yeah. yeah I had him too. Same. Yeah. Same. Agreed. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> and it's true. You pull him outside and you start talking to him and, and then you ask him and then it's just, he just like, first and it tears he's holding so much yeah. stuff inside and he has right. no place he has to, to release it like there's no yeah there's no safe place for him to go right, right. And and I remember his that parents actually came to uh student conferences and they were like thank you so much for you know taking care of my son you know and believing in him because I would uh -huh. I, I wrote his parents notes and said like oh my gosh you won't believe how much better Jimmy's doing this trimester and he was really trying I even you know told him hey I'll buy you lunch if you get this kind of grades you know stuff uh -huh. like that but um he just so I think what you just articulated and is that yes like restorative practice in the big picture like training etc is super important but but you just said, hey, I basically have already done this with this one student. Um, and that's the point, right? The point is for you to be able to have these conversations. It doesn't need to be in a circle. It doesn't need to be facilitated by another person. If you can do it and, and have these conversations one-on-one, -on -one, you can bring a child back into the, their learning environment and, and maintain a positive relationship, teacher, student, etc. Like you really just articulated and summed that up right there. I also think um, teachers, the kids who give you the most trouble are the ones that need you the most. And, and yes. as soon as you, as soon as you learn that and step back from being their adversary, and instead be their be their advocate, then your whole dynamic in your classroom is going to change. You may not get the work mm -hmm. out of them. You may not get them to be respectful all of the time. But ultimately, what's more important is you're, you're teaching them to have a sense of trust and to know that people are there and people will have their back and they don't have to be perfect all of the time in order to get your approval because mm -hmm. they just can't be. 
And I think mm-hmm. um, I always tell people when whenever you tell somebody, I'm sure you guys get this, people go, oh, what do you do for a living? And you go, I'm a teacher. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really amazing. What grade do you teach? And I say junior high. And they'll go, oh, really? You know? <laughs> oh, man, there's a special place for you in heaven. <laughs> I, I say that. <laughs> I say that about God, kindergarten so. teachers, though. Like, there's a special place oh, for yeah. kindergarten teachers. <laughs> but junior oh, yeah. high in particular, yeah. if you don't love the animal, don't get in the classroom with them. Because they mm-hmm. need you. That grade level needs guidance more than any other grade level there is. They really need yes. people who have their backs and aren't going to throw them out at the first mistake that they make and set that tone. Um and I've always said this too. This is sort of my my high horse I get on. I feel like in junior high, it's the most important thing that people that kids need in junior high are, are three things. I think they need to learn how to be organized. They need to learn responsibility, and they need to learn how to socialize. Those three things more than anything else because in elementary school they're learning reading and writing and all of those things and in the high school they're trying to get into college so junior high is really i think a fundamental place where kids that is where the change happens where they become they get the skills to be a human more than more (laughs) than anything else they need the math they need the english but they really need that transition from being a child that's the transition from being a child to an adult that that whole area. Yeah. And I, and they need people who are, who understand that. So junior high teachers play a huge role, I think in, in the success of kids because the kids who haven't been making elementary school, you're going to lose them, but you can get them back in junior high, you know? So I I don't know. I just feel like we have the really super important job in junior high. We only have them for two years, but goodness gracious, that's so much to do in those time for those kids. So, yeah. And I, and I think sometimes people forget about their middle school years, their junior high years, right? Because elementary is so formative and then high school is so like, it takes you to, you know, your career or college. Um, But they're not going to make it if they don't get through us and we nope. don't, you know, give them those yeah. skills. So I think the restorative yeah. practices and things that we've talked about tonight have been really valuable. I think people will get a lot out of that. Um, I hope from our discussion this evening, um, are there any other thoughts you'd like to throw out there before we wrap this up this evening? I do. I think, um, you know, all of what we've talked about is really about building relationships and building community in your classroom and your school, right? And so I think if, if there's anything people walk away with is academics are important, right? And especially now with, with distance learning, um, I've seen, you know, I, I'm on social media and things like that. And, and I've seen the, the people mm-hmm. posting, you know, um, Maslow before um, Bloom. Bloom, thank you. Slate. Maslow before Bloom. Um, and that's critical. And that's really what restorative practices is about, right? Is creating that safety in the classroom. And I think that that's so important. Um, but as teachers, we also have to get over our fear of being the boss all the time. Yes. And, and we have to be able to be vulnerable with our yeah. students and to be human with our students. And that's just my, my two cents. 
Yep. I agree. So when they run into you at the grocery store, they don't go, what? You shop here? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You, <laughs> you don't yeah. live there? It's like you you're all out there? of context now. It's like, wait, yeah. what? This doesn't jive it's with what I'm thinking. So yeah. funny. <laughs> okay, so um, I want to thank Heather for hanging out with us tonight and sharing her experience. Uh, it's, I think... Yeah, I, I miss you guys so much. I think for, I, I just oh, want to again go on record and say my best years. And I've had, I, not to diminish my current year. I love where I currently am and what I do, but um, my best years were working with we all of you. You have a special school um, for sure. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. And, and there's a special sure. community there. Um, and that community is where I grew up, which I think is important. Like, I went to school there and then I taught there and, um, but what's awesome. And I think people need to know is that over the years, we've all maintained our connection and our friendship. And that's so important, right? As teachers, we are mm -hmm. not alone in our classrooms. We, um, have this amazing community to rely on. And so make sure you, you lean on your community. Thank you. And I'm sure yeah. your your school should be grateful to have you, especially being that you received such the valuable yeah. education from your homeroom experience. I did. <laughs> and I'm, I'm expecting thank you notes from your staff oh. on this. Oh my gosh. I think that will be our back to school activity is to write notes to Anne as well as their own individual inspiring teachers that they had as young That's people. It's because so important. Thank a teacher, you know, yeah. thank a teacher. We, we, we love thank yous. We don't get them very often. Yes. Thank a teacher. We don't. It's so nice. Like going through mm -hmm. all this stuff in the garage and everything. I found like so many notes from students and parents and, yep. and you guys. And I've saved all of you and I, I have a I have a file at home too of things that I've saved over the years like kids who are literally in their 30s now I have notes from them when they were children <laughs> it's amazing it's an amazing job it's a really amazing job it's a hard sure. job and and you have to yes. go into it with the attitude that it is hard it's not going to be easy i think so many people and listen to that podcast on those who think they can teach right um but you know it's a hard job and it's a thankless job but it's an important job probably the most important job there is everything else depends on it um and it depends on having good teachers out there so we need a lot of good teachers out there who respect kids mm. Right, they're not the enemy. Here, here. The kid is not the enemy. It's it's not an us nope. against them thing. It's us together. Nope. So we think so. Um, spend time, get to know your students, um, get to know the people that you work mm -hmm. with. Ask for help when you need it. Study, read, yes. share your ideas. Uh, that's how we all grow. So, um, again. yes, and take the time and know you're going to make oh, yeah. mistakes for sure. And then yes. repair, repair, right. repair. And you're still going to make mistakes yep. years, years, years later. Everybody, they don't tell you that in school year. either. Yeah. So, yeah. No, <laughs> they don't. Well, and that's, that's how you, you learn. Yeah, that's what we teach mistakes. the kids. We should be accepted. I don't want to work with anybody who's afraid to make a mistake because then you don't grow. You just do it safe all the mm -hmm. time, you know? So be brave. Boring is for sure. <laughs> boring. Don't be that boring teacher. What is that one? 
Don't like be boring. Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. <laughs> anyone? 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 Oh, that's anyone? My favorite movie. Oh, don't be that guy. Don't be I'm Mr. Ditto. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What? What does Ferris say? He's like, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and take a look around, yeah, gonna miss it. Go look around your classroom. <laughs> yes, baby, don't, don't miss it, no, you guys. Don't, miss, don't, it. don't miss it. Thanks again, you guys, for joining us tonight. Uh, don't forget to go to Apple iTunes or give us a rating and write a review. We really need you to write those reviews so that yes, so that other people can find us and, yes. and spread the word out there yeah. and uh, share this with new teachers, share this with old teachers get the word out. Uh, we'd really, really appreciate it. We will have uh, links to our, our uh, articles that we referenced today will be in our show notes. So please make sure that you check us out. Go to www.transparencyinteaching. Got to write the whole word out. There's no abbreviations. .com. And uh, leave us a comment. Join the conversation. How do you handle discipline in your classroom? Share your ideas. Let's make this a community effort. And until we meet next time, have a great day. Enjoy what's left. If you're going back to school, God bless you. If you're doing distance learning, God bless you too. God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good afternoon. Good night. Thanks Bye. for sharing. Sharon, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Sharon is Karen. And it's a wrap. There you go. So there you go.